0: I'm Stuart Chittenden, and this is Lives, a show about conversation, community, and the people that bring community to life. Faraz Momand rose from being a refugee within his home country of Afghanistan to become press coordinator for Afghanistan's president, Hamid Karzai. He was also a liaison officer between embassies, NATO, and the international media. Gargashta, Katawazai is the youngest person ever elected to the Parliament of Afghanistan. She subsequently served as the first female government spokesperson on public policy issues. Karawaza has been an international panellist on women's rights issues. She spearheaded efforts to build several schools for girls and a hospital for women in her home province in Afghanistan. Feroz, Gargashta and their family became refugees after uncovering a plot against American diplomats and military officers. Today, military officers knowledgeable of this plot believe moman's actions saved American lives. After a long and difficult journey, the Moman family relocated to Nebraska. Uh, thank you both for being on the show and welcome. So perhaps take a moment and take turns just to tell me a little bit about your childhood and your upbringings.
1: Uh, I was born in the... Kabul, the capital of Afghanistan. So because of the civil war at the time, and my father was uh, in a government official, my family moved to Pakistan as a refugee, and we spent more than a decade there as a refugees. Um, the life in Pakistan was hard. It was not uh, easy to be a refugee in Pakistan. Um, people were bullying. There were no service for refugee like no medical, no schools, nothing, everything you have to earn money and pay for them. So by support of my father and my brothers, uh, myself and my younger brothers, uh, we were able to go to school and complete our education in Pakistan. Always missing our country, even um, I was two years old when I left my country, but since our parents were always telling us how beautiful our country is and how lovely the people is. And they were always encouraging us to go to school and just focus on learning because one day we will go back to our country and we have to help our people uh, who have no chance to go to school in the war. So finally, after uh, 2008, One after 9-11 and after U.S. uh, led invasion in Afghanistan and uh, also international community focus again on Afghanistan. So we were also able to come back to our homeland country. Uh, Things were so different than what our parents told us. Um, The picture that we had in our mind was not what we saw. In my mind, there Uh, I was always thinking there will be green fields, there will be um, modern buildings, paved road, or at least old school building for girls, a hospital for women. But when when I got there, even there was no electricity for uh, anyone. No school for girls, no hospital for women, no green fields. And the farmer was just... um, struggling with their fields because of lack of the farm equipments, and people were just struggling with their life economically, and there was like no hope for them because 35 years of civil war uh, really broke them. So the picture that I had was so green and colorful, but what I saw was just black and white, and that was the time when... um, I realized why our parents were so pushing us and so always telling us, just focus on learning, just focus on learning, because they knew that our country need people to rebuild this country. So that was my childhood and, and young age.
0: Before we go to us, tell me just a little bit more about what life was like in Pakistan. Did it feel like home at all? Um, what What were your childhood experiences? Did you always feel strange there?
1: Um, when we were in Pakistan, um, let me just tell you a short, short story about my school life. Um, in our school, there was like... Uh, When a new teacher comes and we have to introduce ourselves because of my name or my brother's names, uh, we were always nervous because as soon as we told our name, they will be asking us, Oh, where are you from? And we told them we are Afghans from Afghanistan, and the behavior just changed like 108 degrees. And then they said, Okay, uh, okay, so who is teaching you at home? Do you get going to any coaching? Classes or tuition, and then we said no. Just our older sibling and our father is teaching us. So life in school was completely like bullying life. Uh, but whenever we complained, um, my father, especially, he told us one thing that just remember um, we came here to save our lives, and it was not our choice. We were forced to come here because we had, uh, if we stay in our homeland, maybe we will killed or kidnap or there will be no opportunity for us. So just focus on that part. Uh, uh, also, economically, it was very hard for all refugees in Pakistan. Like, uh, you cannot have a government official job in Pakistan, even if you have a higher education. Uh, you cannot establish a, uh, officially a business uh, or any type of work, the things that you will do, only labor work. So we were struggling every day. Uh, every day we were waiting that our house owner will uh, come and he will say, Okay, um, like uh, remove, uh, go away from this house, or maybe we will kick out from school. The life was so much in tensions and in dangerous. You know, we were just like, uh, um, our especially our um, parents were so scared like they were secure like they were every day they were they will be walking with us to school and then they will be bringing us back home telling us to, to not talk too much with people about our family background and stuff like that. So that was the hard part. But some part, like there was electricity, there was TV, there was news. So we had like our international connections. We know what's going on in the world. Uh, that was a little different than when we came to Afghanistan. Like there was no international channel or national channels in the radios or in the TVs. There were no electricity. Um, this was a little different than Pakistan and Afghanistan.
2: My my childhood was um, a little different uh, than G. I um, I stayed in Afghanistan the, most of my childhood, and uh, I have seen um, I have seen things that sometimes when I remember now. I, I'm like in shock, and uh, I, sometimes I, when I'm trying to sleep and I remember a moment, I just wake up, and, um, and I can't believe that, uh, how I survived. So, uh, for example, I have seen people dying in front of me. I have seen uh, when, when, when the civil war started, well, basically, we've we grown up in the civil war. Kabul, the capital of Afghanistan, was part of so many armed groups. And, and from one part of the city, if you're traveling to another part, there is a different, basically different government, different people in power. Um, I have seen in people heads being actually nailed to walls. Um, in some part of the city, uh, they they cut people's head and Put boil, boiling oil on them. Um, or I've seen in front of me a younger girl that's, uh, you know, probably 18 or 20 years old. And um, they were saying that she had a relationship and they captured her and they stoned her. And they, she died like by stoning uh, from from the people in the town. So and I, I grew up like that. Uh, and in that part of the city with with all this violence and till it became to our family so everybody was moving to different towns different part of Afghanistan to survive my family also since my father and my brothers um, and uncle they were all in the previous government um, for fearing for their life so we escaped uh, we escaped Kabul and we went to our home province Um, till till the time come that it was it was for my family to become a re- well we were refugee and even in our country, uh, but to move from uh, from one part to another part. Um, I remember we were um, we we family family size of eight. We were living in a tent that uh, basically sleeping there at the night. We would just you know squeeze each other so we can fit there. Um, drinking water um, I remember uh, walking four or six miles both way to bring drinking water um, that that was the type of life that we had there as a refugee for almost four years before we moved to Pakistan and uh, became refugees as she talked about Pakistan um, all the refugees had the same kind of life in People were being bullied and um, even um, sometimes the government, will they get you, they will, you know, they will ask for a bribe because you are not a citizen of Pakistan. So it was, it was a difficult time being as a refugee in Pakistan and um, many other challenges.
0: Describe these transitions. Um, perhaps how did you get back from Pakistan to your sort of family home
1: Yes, when we um, arrived in 2001 to Kabul, the capital of Afghanistan, um, basically our home was in Kabul because of my father's previous job. Uh, So it was summer, and uh, the school were in summer vacations for a short run. And since I was graduated from high school, my parents thought it it will be good to visit our home province in the south and um, meet our extended family members still living there. So it was, uh, for me, it was so exciting. I said, okay, in the city there is a war, like the building, everything is so destroyed. Let's see how the village life is. So after three hours' drive, uh, we arrived to our village, Paktika Katawas, It was shocking. Uh, It was so shocking to me because um, same thing, like my mom especially, she was always telling us like how green and how peaceful the village was when she was child. She was always talking about different fruits, about different kind of plays that they did, functions for women, like a happy life. But when we got there, um, I can just read the people's eyes and I can just see from the way they live how poor poor they were and how war affected their common lives, uh, especially for children, uh, even boys and girls. At least boys had... A, hour or two hours to go to a local school. Uh, After that, they had to help their father for finding woods to burn and cook food or to just help them in the field or with the cows and stuff like that. For young girls, uh, after a week, I noticed there was nothing to do for them. The only thing they were doing, helping their moms in the homework, or taking care of their young siblings all the time. Uh, The young girls were even not allowed to go play outside. Uh, They were staying home, and all the focus was that they have to learn the homework and become a future mother. Uh, So it was, like, heartbroken for me. Uh, is a girl from that village Uh, I just compare myself with them that my parents pushed me all the time to go to school have a future decide something for yourself but those young girls even they are intelligent but there's no future for them there's no choice for them. So that was the time I talked to my parents and I told them Okay, I have at least a high school degree or like some education. But what about those young girls? Uh, they have like nothing, and they still they still have no plan, like where they have to start. I said someone need to start from some point. And after some conversation and um, a little worrying about my security in the. Because our province have 500 kilometer border with Pakistan, and it's a dangerous and conservative part of Afghanistan, so they were a little worrying about my security. But still, they agreed that uh, at least for this summer I should start a home school for young girls. And I stay in my village, and um, of course, it was not easy to convince father, who never been saw. Their mothers or sister or anyone else to go to school, uh, to t- tell them that send your own daughter to school or this home school will at least a bright flag or a bright light for them. It was not easy, but after talking, uh, talking to them, telling them the benefit of education. I told them, this province needs to survive, and you have to work for it. No one else will come for you from Kabul or another province. You must send your own daughter to school. So we start only with 15 girls homeschool. And uh, in six months, the number get more than 50 girls. And people were asking for more homeschools in my province. Uh, for women' health, it was a big issue, especially childbirth. Uh, every week, I heard that a uh, woman is dying because of the childbirth. So that was another concern in my province. And also, uh, for young people, there was no job opportunity to do except doing farming or going to Iran or Pakistan selling tea or something like that and then coming back spending that money for food and clothes and stuff.
0: Why don't we catch up with you for us and and your sort of journey, continuing journey in Afghanistan?
2: Um, I remember um, I re- remember the day, um, it was early in the morning, that uh, my dad uh, came and he said, turn on the TV like everybody was uh, waking up. And he said that the United States attack on Taliban or uh, on the current regime in Afghanistan and um, they are taking over Afghanistan. He was really happy. Uh, he was really happy. I, I was still... I I was still in the in you know all about technology and video games and all the stuff that how it's working uh, but uh, sitting with him all all the time and listening to news um, was also one part of my life a hobby uh, and so he, he he was keep telling me that once United States took over Afghanistan we will go back to our country um that's our country and uh, we need to build it. Uh, so after after um, a few weeks, uh, my family decided that we were leaving Pakistan. We were going back to Afghanistan. It was kind of weird for me uh, because um, the only thing that uh, I was appreciated in Pakistan was that we had electricity and we could watch TV. Um, and th- that was the only happiness we had. Other than that, the life was uh, a struggle. Um um, I remember one day my brother come in and uh, uh, he was bitten by police. He was beaten a lot and, and he didn't do anything. He was just uh, going to his work and they asked for money and he was not giving the money and, to them. Um, anyways, so my family decided and we just rent a car and put our stuff and move to Kabul. Um, uh, it, it was totally uh, a different picture in this uh, two or three years or four years that we were away from Kabul, um, and, and the streets like there was no electricity, and still, you know, you could see the the the, f- the people that they were fighting with the United States at the time. Um, we got we got to Kabul. Long long story short, um, my my family started establishing our you know the life back and. Um, I just I was uh, just looking for a job, and because everywhere you know there was people speaking English, and uh, I knew a little bit English, so everywhere I would see an United States uh, Army uh, Ranger car standing, I would just go and talk to the U.S. military officers. Um, I remember one officer named Stel. His name was Steve. Steve Johnson. Um, I would go and talk to him. So he he would. Um, there was there's a part in Kabul um, at called Sharanao and there um, that's like the the medal of the city. Um, so um, I was going to uh, English courses there, um, uh, and I would see him there at least once a week. Um, so we become friends and he would tell me that my English is really good. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's great. Uh, he told me that next time he will see me, he will bring me some books. I haven't seen him like for a month or 40 days, but one day... um I was just coming out, and um, I saw the car, so I ran, and I asked for him, and he was like, oh, uh, uh, the other uh, uh, soldier, the army officer, he told me that he's here. Hey, Steve, your friend is here. So Steve uh, came down, and he bought, uh, gave me books. Um, it was a, a vocabulary and a grammar book uh, that uh, he came to United States to visit his family, and he bought that for me from here. So that's how, you know... I started my relation with the United States government or the military that they were there. And then um, when I got my first job in the government of Afghanistan, and it was because of my English and computer skills, um, and it was in the presidential palace, so uh, it it was a place that I had a relationship with everybody, every international organization in Afghanistan. And uh, that was part of my job to... To build a relationship, a good relationship with the international communities, NATO, ISAF forces in Afghanistan, um, but we had we had a really good uh, relationship with all those international communities. Of course, there was people you know talking all the time. Um, I remember um, the first first time that they blamed me was um, they were telling me that I work for Pakistan because I came from Pakistan. And then uh, after a few months, some people were talking that I work for India because I have good relationship with Indian embassy. And then later they changed it to Germany and then, you know, different embassies, British. But I had relationship with everybody as a, as a, as a and it was working relationship. Uh, with the United States, of course, the United States. United States has a big prison in Afghanistan. It still has that presence. So um, we had a really good relationship with my friends and colleagues from the US Embassy. Let me bring it this way: our relationship was that close that I would go to US Embassy just to the door and say that, hey, call this person and tell him that I'm here and I'll get in. Getting into the US embassy is not easy. You have to have an appointment and stuff. For my friends and coworkers or colleagues from the United States side, um they were not allowed to go to uh, you know to local houses, uh, people's house in for dinner or lunch. But uh, the relationship that we had, it was it, it it was very smooth. So they would just go and tell the ambassador that we were invited to Pharaoh's house. Can we go? And he was like, "Of course, you can go." So um, in that relationship, just a friendly relationship, become a problem for me because people, some people, use it um, against what we were doing for democracy. Um, during our time in the government, our focus was only to to work for the younger generation. Um, when I met G uh, as uh, as a youngest politician, uh, I was surprised that uh, there are, you know, there are women and girls that they are fighting. Uh, they just need that support. So in my mind, uh, I didn't tell her at the time, in my mind, I, I just had a plan that that would be good if we get married and continue our, our mission. International
0: diplomacy and romance at the same time. <laughs> So you mentioned at this point that, Gagashta you, you met and, and you were a politician at this point. You'd been elected to office. So tell us about why you chose to run for elected office and the kind of difficulties and challenges you faced. And, and then what happened?
1: Yes, as I told you earlier that when I started school, it was a non-official home school for girls. So the number was getting increased every day and people um, wants like everybody wants their uh, daughter to be in school because they saw the happiness in their child. Uh, and I was the one person with a few young people. So I thought um, it's our right as a public to ask governor to have an official school for girls, so we can have more books, notebooks, pencil, and stuff like that for girls. So me and um, a few young people from my province, we went to the local governor office, uh, and very respectfully, I asked him. I said, "I'm here." Uh, and I thought a lot about it to continue my higher education or stay here. And finally, I decided I have to stay here because my province needs me. So now I need your help as a governor to support my schools and um, make it officially so we can have more governor uh, official support. But very easily and just in a few minutes, uh, governor just rejected my application and he told me he said I really respect your parents and as a older person I advise you to go back to Kabul and just focus on your learning if you stay here you will lose everything because this province have never nobody like there was never ever any girls school in the history so don't waste your time that make me really disappointed and almost angry. Like I said, okay, if you are a governor official, you think that way, then what should I expect from an uneducated person? So, and then um, I realized, I said, okay, if I had a good person in government, so they can, they can create great policy for this province. So... I realized that in a country like Afghanistan, if you want to change something, you must have a political power. And fortunately, by that time, our constitution was passed. The new constitution gave rights to women to run for parliament independently without having a political party. So I, after talking with my parents and the family member and also the young group, I decided to run for parliament uh, for the first time in my province. It was shocking for most of people. Um, Some said it's against our culture that a young girl is coming out and she's talking to people. Some said it's against Islam. Some said blah, blah, blah. But for me the main reason was to help my people. And when you have a goal, then you can fight for it. So I I start my campaign. It was a risky and dangerous campaign. Uh, we have 22 districts in my province. Um, I had to I had visit most of those districts, uh, some of those districts that I couldn't visit because of the road and the security stuff. We called people and we said, "Is um, a young girl from your province, at least I deserve one chance uh, that we can talk in the phone or you guys can come, we can meet. That's why I did this. And uh, in every meeting, I, in the beginning, I told them, I said, if I convince you, you have to vote me. But if you convince you, I will just step out from my election. And fortunately, in the end of every comp- my campaign trail meeting, people supported me, especially the young generation uh, in my province. And with the vote of those young people and uh, support of my people, I become the youngest member of Afghan
0: parliament. So I have to ask, you look at America now, as people that live here are vested in this community, and there are lots of people wondering about our own elected officials here. We are trying to encourage more people to be civically engaged and maybe to run for office. What do you think about that, and would you run for office here?
1: Uh- Here, one thing that I always talk to my friends here, I said, even you have a lot of opportunity, uh, but you guys are running away from politics. You complain about system, you complain about your work, you complain about your payment, health insurance, but you never talked about it with the official, with your representative. You just think that's not part of your business. You focus on one thing. Uh, That's what I'm telling them, that in a Afghanistan history, when I study myself, one of the main reasons why uh, we had civil war, because they told young people that future is your, so they took today from them. That's why I'm uh, I'm telling my friends here that you have the internet opportunity, you have uh, so many social media opportunity. Just talk about your opinion, talk about your rights, and there are so many peaceful way to talk. And those people who are your representative, they are not big people. You made them big. And if you don't connect them, if you don't talk to them, they will do whatever they want to do and they will implement on you. So instead of making them to draw something for you, you draw the draft for them. And when you can do that, when you involve yourself. Uh, For second part of your question... um, as you know, United States is now my second country and as a citizen I am responsible here for the everything as a other American citizen. Uh in future who knows, but if opportunity to come and I serve people, I will be lucky to
0: you both have experienced um, doing the kinds of activities that are, I I think, to my eyes and many of our listeners, following a really strong value system, set of beliefs, a moral framework that that you believe in that seems recognizable to people. Mm -hmm. But clearly what each of you did was not popular with everybody to the point where your situation was actually quite dangerous. And I, I don't necessarily want to spend a lot of time resurfacing for you guys every single moment that your lives were in danger but perhaps just talk a little bit about how dangerous this was for you to to follow your beliefs and and then what was the catalyst for you actually to, to leave.
1: It was hard for me uh, because sometimes I told my people that the world knows the power of a educated woman because if you educate a woman, uh, you educate a family and family-made community. So if community become educated, then they will ask for their rights. So that's why if anybody um, clam or if anybody talk about women's education, they want to remove them. Uh, second as in a parliament, I was for five years, I was an independent member. I didn't, uh, because I didn't have any political history. And those all political party had somehow their histories. I don't want wanted to join them. So they need my vote. So they try to um, threaten me and my family. We survive like several attacks and risks. Uh, back there um, in our career, maybe Pharaohs can talk of more about it, because uh, that time I was strong enough to survive. But now, when I'm talking, it really makes me emotional.
2: <laughs> before I uh, before I talk about the threats and and the, the 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 life that we had there, um, I would like to. Uh, to talk about the U.S. mission a little bit in Afghanistan, um, that now now what I'm seeing is um, the U.S. is in fight not with Taliban or ISIS. That's just a name. Uh, it's a proxy war between the powerful countries in the region, um, and I hope I hope we win this war. But it's it's a very complicated war. Um, we tried we fight for seven years um i was in the heart of government i know a lot of things that i I cannot talk here about it but um this war is almost we are getting to 17 years but it's not ending and there is no win and i remember 2005 and 6 that how freely we can Travel from one part of Afghanistan to another, but today in 2017, you are not saving the capital. So we are going backward. We are not going forward. Anyways, um, I hope I hope we win this war. Um, and um, as President Trump uh, recognized recently that uh, the region countries, specifically, I will mention Pakistan, is the the biggest enemy of the United States. I I'll, I'll come back to our part and, and step back a little bit from politics. Uh, I I and my family, we um the, the like threats or uh, the threatening phone calls or uh, a plot to kidnap my son from daycare, these things were very routine for me. That now I'm scared. But at that time, I don't know how I was dealing with it. Um, like, for example, when I heard that they're kidnapping my son from daycare and I have to run and save him, that moment that I remember now, I don't know how I did it. Or many threatening phone calls, or even waking up with a grenade in my window. Um, but we survived and we survived and uh, tell the, the time that it was an end for us because we saved Americans life we save Americans diplomat and a military officers life and after that i had less than 24 hours to save my family life and we have to run and again we end up from where we started as a refugee we became refugee again you talk
0: about having 24 hours to make the choice You've undertaken a very dangerous personal action for yourself and your family. You've unveiled a plot to harm American lives that puts you and your family in danger. And you have to vacate your country within 24 hours to to get to Turkey. What is going through your head as you make the decision, we are leaving?
2: Um, it, it It was not an easy decision. I was leaving my family behind. I know I had my wife and my son with me, but I have extended family back there. I still, the moment that I remember that I was hugging my mom and I was telling her bye, it was not easy. Uh, But I had no choice. If I would stay there, we would be not alive today. Because the people that I was facing, they they are in way higher in power than I was there. Uh... It, it was not an easy decision, but at the time I had no other choice to escape, just to go somewhere. And I didn't know that I will be going to, you know, to become a refugee and then I will be going to the United States. No, that was... I just needed to run from Kabul at the moment, uh, which we did, which we escaped and run uh, uh, in, in the country that... Uh, the, we were basically planning to have vacation in turkey that country become our our um, second home for 14 months as 14 hard and struggle months that um my son um uh, he was two, uh, two enough three, three years old three years old he broke his arm um and we could not take him to... Well, we took him to hospital, but basically they were not doing the treatment because we were refugee. We didn't have any documentation or money to pay. Uh, so um, it, it, was, it was a really tough life. Um, and I just... Now that I'm in the United States and I do some advocacy for refugees, because I feel those people that they stay in the refugee camp for 10 to 20 years, how they survive. Um, that, that is that is a really difficult life there as a refugee. Do, 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 do. I'm not rich, but the sun shines for me. And I never cry because I know that the rain falls for me. I'm not a king, and the salary I earn is.
0: Is not all one day, I must win. Having had the experiences you've had, you've talked about twice being refugees. Does it trouble you, perhaps, how we now talk about refugees as if somehow they perhaps harbor dangerous criminals, or it's a subterfuge for some nefarious international plot? I, I just wonder how you feel as refugees now, being you know being here.
1: Well, it's it's hard for us as a refugee when you heard that things because um, I believe that nobody chooses to become a refugee. Um, there is something that they're escaping to become refugee. Of course, we have good people and bad people in everywhere. But it's not, um, especially when you become refugee, you will do something bad. Not like that. Trust me, I love United States, same as Afghanistan, because I feel safe. My kids are going to school here. There are a facility for us. So why should I not feel, uh, why should I not have this love or respect for this country. Same thing, I think most of refugee uh, have this, but when we, sometime when we heard the news or people are talking about refugee or foreign people, uh, that's hurt because um, that time my only wish will be that at I hope sometime they can meet a refugee that how they struggle and why they become refugee or just ask them why you are here. Uh, so nobody choose to, but it's it's just a uh, life matter that you become a refugee.
2: Like G said, uh, being a refugee is not a choice. If this was a choice, um, a two option choice, I would never click on that choice to be a refugee. Um, now, especially after the 2016 election in the United States and all the drama that everybody knows already about it, uh, refugees, um, and, and they are saying to ban the refugees. Banning the refugees is not a solution, or banning the Muslims are not a solution. <laughs> I, will, I will just try to give an example of my son. He is born to a, a Muslim family in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, his her uh, his mom puts in the paperwork at the hospital that uh, he's from Afghanistan uh, the doctor said that excuse me he's from the United States he was born in in in, in the hospital in Maryland so he is from the United States um, he he doesn't have a religion at the moment but when he grew up uh, if he follow Islam or practice Islam um, and so he's a Muslim American uh, at the a native Muslim American that was born in Maryland. So you are banning him from entering the United States if he traveled to go to his dad's country? See, these, these are the things that it's um, it's it's just a political game. Um, it's just on, on the comp- campaign trail that you promise to people um and like Ji mentioned that most people are away from the politics in in the United States, uh, and and they are just you know busy with their daily life. It would be good for younger generation to get involved uh, with with the politics, and, and they start from their younger age. They can change. They can. It, there is nothing impossible, and. As, as as they say, that you are the one that you're picking your politician and you're sending them to, to the Congress, to the White House, and, and to everywhere. So you can do that. Coming here as a refugee to the United States, um, we totally had a different picture um, because it's United States. It's the people outside of the United States, they think that everything is perfect here. Everything is perfect, but you got to work for it. Uh, As a refugee here, I personally have been attacked several times, as soon as people know that I am practicing Islam. I know that there is bad and good people in every religion, as we speak today. Yesterday, there was an attack in Texas. Was that guy Muslim? He did the same thing that another guy did a few days before in New York. He even, I think he killed six to seven people, but he did 26. No breaking news for 24 hours. No, no one is even talking that he was, now they're saying he was a mentally ill. Um, I'm, I'm surprised by that like why these double standard this is bring this is not making us safe let me let me say that point by doing double standard will not keep us safe that is bringing more fear more danger more recruitment that's a tool that they can use that the terrorists outside the united States to recruit people by showing that look that incident, and look at this incident, nobody's talking about, but that one crazy guy that he don't even know what does ISIS mean or where they come from, he just showed a flag or he did whatever he did. Um, they are, how they are dealing with that situation and how uh, they are dealing with the Texas or the Las Vegas situation. And they will recruit more people, which will make us unsafe. So unfortunately, um, we have to change that double standard.
0: I would imagine that, as refugees, um, I would imagine that some people would expect you just to be grateful, and and yet America, of course, is a country of contradictions, hypocrisy, greatness, but also a, a, a history that that it can be ashamed of in some respects too. Um, but nonetheless, it is it is a great country that that can be a beacon for freedom very often but you're right you've you've experienced i think some some terrible traumas uh, in your native country and other countries, but also that that doesn't make your experience here any easier either so I'm wondering then if you might talk about your lives here and what your aspirations what your hopes are for for your future obviously you've got a you've got a young family so it's clear that you have aspirations for your children. But I'm, I'm really curious, what are, what are your
2: aspirations? Um, like I said, United States is a land of opportunity. One year ago from today, I didn't have a scholarship. I had a, a regular job. Today, I am working in my field as an IT manager for a company. I have a scholarship. I'm pursuing my education. And this is in the United States. And we appreciate that. And uh, the love that we had for Afghanistan or we have for Afghanistan, we have the same love for this nation, for this country. I know that you asked, uh, G, that uh, in future if she's planning to run for uh, for a government office to serve the people. I have a plan. I, I'm working toward that plan that one day I want to serve for this country. And from from where just the regular, you know, uh, maybe a small services offices, and then I will make my way uh, to the politics. Um, but, but this is the land of opportunity. Um, my son, he goes to a school that it's number two in, number two or three in Omaha. We are re- really happy that we are a part of this great nation now, and especially Omaha. That's like, uh, that's my home. And uh, we will be uh, having our family to uh, focus on their education and uh, just follow their dream. Uh,
1: yes, um I want to start with a question that most of people ask me here that why we are sharing our story, our life story, why we are talking about it. The reason is that we want to tell people that um, everybody can become a refugee. Even a person with a lot of dreams and hope and work, someday you can become a refugee. When, when we become a refugee and any country, I mean, I'm not exemplifying myself, but any person, if any country accepted you as a refugee, that means they understand you how, what you've been through. And then they want to give you a second chance of your life. Uh, so as a citizen now, we love and respect the United States. And I have, I have many hopes and dreams for future of my family, myself, and also go back home uh, because there's, are, uh, there's are tons of opportunity. The community are helpful. The people are helpful. And fortunately, we have wonderful listeners. When, whenever we tell our story, they listen to us. Uh, this makes us more hopeful for future.
0: listen to this show again and to hear past shows, download the podcast at iTunes, search for Live's Radio Show with Stuart Chittenden, and leave a review while you're there to let me know what you think of the show. I've been in conversation with Foros Momand and Gargashta Katawazai. Thank you both so much for being here today. Thank
1: you for
2: having us. Thank you.
0: That's the end of this week's show. The sound engineer was Dalimar McTiswick. The magnificent Marion Fay helped produce the show. Lives is an executive production of Squish Talks. I'm your host, Stuart Chittenden. Join me next week for more community, conversation, and the people that bring community to life.